This is the Fertile Mindset Podcast, where we explore all the emotional aspects of fertility to support you on your path to parenthood. My name is Sarah Holland. I'm the Fertile Mindset Coach and a mother to two children after my own fertility challenges. I hope you find all the support and inspiration you need within this podcast to carry you forward on your fertility journey towards your own successful outcome. It's also my wish that through listening to these episodes, you rediscover how to enjoy life now and live it to the full while you wait for your baby. Now, let's begin today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Fertile Mindset Podcast. In this episode, I'm sharing a chat that I had with another one of my lovely colleagues in the fertility world. I have known Monica for many years and through her own experience of fertility issues, IVF and loss, she's become an empathic and supportive voice in the fertility community. Monica is a mindset and holistic fertility coach and the author of the book, The IVF Planner. She focuses her support on those who are having fertility treatment, are pregnant after infertility or have experienced pregnancy and baby loss. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. We do go deep and explore the raw emotions and experiences of infertility. So for this episode, I'm giving a content warning for the talk around pregnancy loss, stillbirth and suicidal thoughts. Please be aware of this as you decide to listen. Hello, Monica. Welcome to the Fertile Mindset podcast. It's really lovely to have you here. How are you today? Hi, thank you, Sarah. I am uh, well. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor, as always, to, you know, to be part of whatever you are working because you are an inspiration and I have built a beautiful friendship with you for so many years. So for me, it's really uh, an honor to be here with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, you're, you're so welcome. And it is, it is years, isn't it? I don't even know how many years now. <laughs> many, yes, many years. Uh, 2015 first... is uh, really? years, yes. Wow. So yeah, and, and I know that your passion has always been really supporting people who are going through fertility treatment, such as IVF, and people who have suffered loss as well on their journeys. And I know we've got lots that we would love to talk about today. Um, I'd love to start a little bit perhaps about why you do the work you do, Monica. It'd be really interesting to hear like where you're coming from with this. Yes, well, Sarah, um, what uh, really inspired me to kind of choose this path was my own journey through infertility, uh, actually primary infertility and secondary infertility, which I thought honestly that is something that I thought never would happen in my, in my life, you know. I... I wasn't uh, too much into getting married when I was younger or too much into having kids. It's funny to say because I thought in that time that the world was upside down and look how we are now. But I guess that things happen for a reason. So when I got married 18 years ago, I thought that I'm going to get pregnant very easy. You know, I come from a family, especially from my mom, that is very fertile. They are 18 kids, nine girls, nine boys from the same parents. So I have about 243 cousins and everybody in my family from that side was getting pregnant with the blow of a kiss. So for me, it was like the opposite. I was always thinking, you know what? I have to be on birth control because what if, right? Mm, yeah. So when I got married with my husband, we basically start about four months later. We took a little time to be together and he has a daughter from a previous marriage. 
And it was very heartbreaking for me every time that Daniela will come to her visitations with him when she lived, you know, it was because it was, she was one year and four months and she kind of woke up that maternal feeling that we all women have. And I couldn't deal with, with the fact that she needed to go back, you know? And of mm. course she has her mom. So I told my husband, I want to, you know, a, a child of our own. And I say, you know, we're gonna start to work. Next month, I'm gonna be pregnant. It didn't happen. So after trying for a year, as most of gynecologists, you know, suggest, um, we went to do tests and all our hormones and, uh, you know, AMH for me and all his tests were okay. So eventually the doctor says, I think it has to do with either your, your uterus or your fallopian tubes. And that's what happened. So we did a, a hysterosalpingogram in my, in my fallopian tubes. And that's when I discovered that I had, an, I had endometriosis stage four that was there for years. And I was having a lot of painful periods, very heavy, but it was normal in my family too, in my mom's side. So, you know, you grow up thinking that something that is normal in your family, it's normal on you. And that's how it happens. We did two laparoscopies to try to open at least one, but it didn't work. So our only option was IVF. And uh, we did our first cycle, which is now my 15-year-old daughter, Elia. And I thought that, you know, in that time, I didn't know about embryo free freezing or, or, you know, that I could freeze my eggs, my husband too. Nobody explained as I was so new. So when we had Elia, the first cycle, we said, well, in a few years, we can try again and bring a sibling, a sibling. we go to IVF and it's gonna be easy, but it didn't. So that's when the secondary infertility hit. My second cycle was canceled. My third cycle, as you know, it was my stillbirth baby girl at 39 weeks. My fourth cycle was a basically following miscarriage from that emotional pain that I went through mm. uh, that almost brought us to divorce. And my fifth cycle after we kind of came together with my husband and see that, you know, we love each other and we need to overcome this is my now eight year old daughter, Maya. And because in that time when I started, there was no social media, no technology like it is now, it was 2004. Um, so I, I kind of felt alone. And I said to myself after Maya born, there is so many women like us, like me, that are going through this hell of time and emotional distress that why not to use my own experience to help them? And that's what inspired me. Wow. And it is, isn't it? Once you've walked that path yourself, once you've experienced it yourself, you can see the world through different eyes, can't you? And all those other women and couples that are, are suffering, you can really understand and really empathize. And it does sound like Monica that you went through a real roller coaster there, not just with the fertility treatment, but also the losses. And yes. also you mentioned like difficulties in your marriage there. It's huge, isn't it? The impact that, that fertility issues can have. Oh, absolutely, Sarah, is something that um, can affect uh, our lives from our personal life to our relationships uh, to, you know, it's all, it's, it's, it's an emotional, psychological and, and mental stress that we are not prepared. We, I, I was not prepared and I don't think that anyone is prepared because you, you know, we as humans, we assume that life happens as you know, a natural process, you know, the natural process, for example, that me, I'm gonna leave certain time, my kids are gonna be growing and then I'm gonna be happy to see them independent. Uh, and then I'm gonna go first, you know, the natural process, but that doesn't happen. So when we go through this kind of 
situations is very difficult. And yes, it made me see the world in very in a very different way, more compassionate. To the point that you know, I I get sometimes uh, questions from same-sex couples, you know, or women that decide to be a single mom and, and they need to go through in vitro. And I am here for all of them, you know. There is no judgment. There is no right or wrong on this. It's just simply support to anyone that is going through this mm. difficult time. That's right, because, yeah, IVF, although we think of it as an infertility treatment, it's, it's yeah, used for so many different reasons. And like you say, donor IVF as well. It's it's vast now, isn't it? The, and it's it's increasing. You know, there are more people year on year having fertility treatment than ever before for many different yes. reasons. But also, you know, the... Um, the higher age, I guess, of, of women when they try for their first baby and all sorts of other contributory reasons. And yeah, that's the, that's the medical kind of solution and support is the IVF and the fertility treatment. But I know what you're focused on is, is the mindset and the emotional support and, and yes. the difference that it can make. So what, how do, what kind of support do you offer then? How do you approach that, Monica? Well, you know, again, same based on my own experience, because, you know, in this situation, you feel sometimes so lonely and anxiety comes and there is these times that you feel that there is no hope. So somehow, uh, yes, like you mentioned, clinics and our doctors support that part, that scientific part that, you know, that, okay, let's see what we can do. But because of the same reason that they, uh, and as you say, is increasing so much now uh, fertility treatments for couples and women to become parents. So they have so many uh, patients uh, in, in, in treatments that they don't have that part of the emotional support. They don't have this support of having someone kind of preparing us mentally that, okay, look, you are entering this journey uh, and you are entering a journey that is not easy that is going to bring you anxiety that is going to bring you cries that is going to bring you all of this emotional and mental pressure and you don't know what to do with that so I am there that's the part that I do so I am kind of that um, connection between the clinic between your doctor and that emotional part that they they cannot approach because the same reason is so many people taking today and, and, and approaching these treatments. So I am there to tell you, not a lie, you know, it's, ah, it's going to be easy. No, it's not going to be easy because I walk that path, but I can give you resources and provide you tools that can help you going a little ease on that. So, you know, I work on meditations, I work on art um, uh, therapy, and I try to focus that journey in acceptance of, yes, this is difficult. I'm going to be aware. This is my awareness. But what can I do that I can control to make this journey a little easier? Because there is, you know, one thing we cannot control IVF, even trying to conceive naturally, does not warranty us a baby. So that's the first thing I tell my, my clients or my patients that come to me. It's not, I'm not going to promise you that you're going to have a baby, but what we're going to do is our best to work in your mind, in your physical um, wellness, to increase the possibility of ending up with a baby 
in your hands. So that's the emotional, you know, they say that what we throw in the universe comes to us. And it's so true, you know, I believe in that. If I wake up today with the, the mindset that, oh, someone is going to rob me in the street, Sarah, it's going to happen because I, it's there, it's the energy. So mm-hmm. I try to help couples and women into creating balance between that positive energy and that negative thoughts that come with it. Why? Because the idea of the balance is not to create positive, positive, uh, toxic, toxic positivity. I'm sorry. You know how it goes. It's very difficult for a woman mm-hmm. or for a couple to say, ah, listen, you're going to get pregnant. Don't worry. Oh, look, the world is crazy. Why do you want kids? It's very, you know, insensitive. So all of that, I'm there to, to, to tell you, okay, prepare for this, prepare for that. This is what you're going to see. All these difficulties come. What you can do to make it a little easier to say, okay, yes, I cannot fix this. So let me see what I can do to make myself feel better and increase that possibility. And that's the emotional and mindset support that I try. It's not easy, mm-hmm. but it's something that with practice and taking action up on every, every day, like baby steps, can bring us to a place where we can eventually have our baby in our arms. Yeah, I love that realistic approach that you have there to fertility support, you know, and how it needs to start with accepting like mm-hmm. really accepting this is hard and it may even get harder, you know, and and that's where we need to be, don't we? Really understanding the impact and not minimizing it, not pushing it away, not denying it or, or thinking that we shouldn't be feeling so stressed, you know, really acknowledge this is tough. But then also to have those tools, those techniques, that those resources, whatever it is, so that you know you're going into that path and you're continuing but you have the security of those tools, those techniques, that support by your side, and it can make such a difference. Because um, it, it's surprising to people, isn't it, Monica? You know, when they they try for a baby, and like you said, you thought you would just get pregnant instantly, um, mm-hmm. and I thought that too. And and when it doesn't happen, and and then the emotional impact of that, we're we're no way prepared for that. You know, it's not something that that women talk to each other about much, is it? We don't really understand what it feels like to yeah. not be able to get pregnant and to be grieving a baby that that isn't here yet but also of course the very real grief if there are is pregnancy loss along the way and baby loss um and I think it's one of the well there's lots of different types of grief obviously and it's hard in all its different reasons but I think with grief on a fertility journey that's tough because you need to keep or you want to keep going you know you want to put yourself back out and try for a baby again and put yourself in that vulnerable position again of being pregnant and not knowing how it's going to turn out you know so I'd love you to I know you've got a lot of thoughts and a lot of support you offer around grief um grief for for miscarriage for even you know failed cycles the loss of embryos and of course the you know the sadness that you went through as well Monica with your own stillbirth and I know that you support people with that kind of late pregnancy loss as well so could you we just talk a little bit around loss and and how that can be approached yes absolutely Sarah so as you said you say it's so like accurate a loss is a loss so uh, a cancel cycle is a loss because you are so, you know, into it and, and, and hoping that that baby is going to come. I went through that. My second cycle was canceled. But still birth. Oh, my gosh, Sarah, that is that is something that I don't wish to anyone. Um, it, and, you know, it happens in my family. Uh, one of my mom's sister, she had a still birth. And when I was pregnant from Isabel, 
um, and uh, I went through my last checkup at 39 weeks, actually, she kind of stopped to move on a Saturday. Uh, Yes, on a Saturday, it was October 2nd, 2010. And she, you know, I didn't feel her. And I, I remember I told my husband, you know, I don't feel the baby. And he said, yes, but don't worry. Remember that it happens with Elia. It happens with our first uh, IVF. And we went crazy. We went to, you know, to the hospital and she was sleeping. So when he told me that, I kind of say, okay, you know what? Might be true. I am getting too paranoid. But something inside the steel was there. And, and that, that thought crossed my mind that what if it's happening to me? What happened to my aunt? And, you know, it happened. Then on the next Tuesday, I went. And she's measuring the baby and she's telling me there is no heartbeat. No, I asked her actually. I told her, can I, can you please show me the heartbeat? She couldn't find it. I went with my mom and it was crazy. They had to hold me five people in the doctor because I went like you lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to going to the hospital, knowing that you're going to have a baby, but you're going to come out empty hands. Yeah, It's a trauma. This is a trauma. So a grieving process is something that is very difficult to go through, no matter, you know, uh, what kind of loss we have. You know, when we lost, I always said this, when we lost our parents, we are orphans. When we lost our wife or husband, we are widow or widowers. But when we lost, when we lose a child, there is no name for that. So the pain is unbearable. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought about taking my life because it's a pain that I don't, I, I, it's, it's, is something that it doesn't go away. I mm-hmm. still carry that pain, of course, through the years. Um, it's, it's a scar that is there, uh, but I look at it at a different uh, view. I look at it as something that gave me a lot of strength and taught me so much about myself, about life, uh, and about that there is times in life that things cannot happen for whatever reason. So what happened is that after that loss, the first thing that, I, like you just said, I want, I want to move on. I want to continue. I need to do another IVF because I want to have that baby. I cannot live like this emptiness. You know what is to wake up crying because you don't have a cry that wake you up from the cry, but you need to wake up because there is no there. So it's a process. And each person, each individual, that each woman, each couple, if each parents that go through this kind of loss of a child they need to grieve and it's a process that must happen and it comes first of course with denial you you know I thought Sarah that I was dreaming I used to go to sleep and praying to God that I'm going to wake up and I'm, I'm having a nightmare that this is not happening that's the first part of grieving is part of the process after the denial it, it's come you know like kind of an acceptance you you are moving on and I took it into way you see I thought about taking my life and I am very open saying this because it's a normal thought it's not a bad thought don't feel that you are a bad person because if you are having certain pain especially losing a child you don't want to leave because it's a very terrible feeling it's, it's, it's a pain that nobody can understand at least go through it so but at the same time I didn't do it because you see I am so scared of the physical pain so every time I will think about something to do to myself and not feel that pain I will go over and think too much which I am grateful for because that's why I'm here and then acceptance and then we have a community you know my husband was 
supporting me, even though he didn't heal the same way, he didn't grieve the same way. And that was one of the causes that kind of torn us apart and, and, and start to break our relationship because I expected him to grieve the same way like I do, but it's not possible. So all is a process. And I will tell anyone going through this kind of loss, if you overcome that loss, trust me, is an achievement because life is gonna show you what you are capable of. Of course, Sarah, as you say, a loss is a loss, but as the time goes by more, the, the pain is stronger. So for me, for example, my stillbirth was super strong because it's like you have a baby complete, right? And he's dead. Now imagine for a father and a mother that lose a child at five years old or at eight or 18 is absolutely much more stronger because memories, you know, all of that. But like you say, loss is a loss. And the best thing that you can do when you are going through the loss of your cycle to a miscarriage, to a stillbirth is you must grieve. Allow all the feelings that you are feeling, all that pain, that crying, that that um, disempowerment are, are normal. You you, are, you don't don't even you know like because when you are there, it's like you don't want to feel them. I've been there, but they are they are there. They are there, and there is no other way to grieve. So some people overcome the grieving, and some people doesn't. And yes, I I have reading cases of moms that have still buried and lose a child and then eventually they take their own life which I don't judge to because that was their solution to don't feel that pain mine was somehow overcome that feeling also of taking my life and move on and continue one day I woke up and I say you know what yes if I have to cry I'm gonna cry I'm gonna cry as much as I can because that's what I feel so there was days that I will feel terrible and I will cry all day and there was days that I will feel normal and maybe if someone make a funny comment I will laugh and then in the back of my mind I'm saying to myself how I can laugh just two weeks or three weeks ago I lost a baby I am a bad man all of that is part of the mm -hmm. process and the most important things are is don't put yourself so lonely because when we are alone our mind go crazy and we think crazy thoughts so try your best to be on list with someone, mom, husband, friend, if it is not uh, in a personal touch, talk to someone, feel, you know, it's very important to let out what we are feeling. And trust me, sometimes we don't need no one to come and tell us I'm sorry or give us advice, but we need someone to give us a hug and just, you know, hug me and cry on, on, on the shoulder of that person that is with you. And then after the stillbirth, I had my miscarriage at seven and a half weeks. But it was obvious that it's going to happen. I was emotionally a wreck. Physically, my body was basically still with all the medicine of the, of the past cycle because I jumped onto IVF almost two months later. And then all of these brought our marriage into a very, almost a crumbled state. We were both with lawyers. And then, you know, our rabbi in our synagogue sit with us and say, okay, just answer a simple question. You guys love each other, yes or no? No, okay, so go separate ways and co-parent in a civil way. But if there is love, first work on your relationship. I don't know why God is giving you this, but you have a child, you went through loss, and he told me, and you are very selfish, thinking only about your pain. And he was like a hit in my head. I'm like, yeah, he's right. So we start to work on our relationship. And we did our fifth cycle. A year later, we work a year completing my relationship with my husband 
Um, and then we did our fifth cycle. And it was, that's when I start to think about helping and doing what I'm doing. Don't get me wrong, Sarah, once the baby, once Maya start to move, I didn't leave that baby alone. I learned to count every single movement. I knew even when I was sleeping at what time she will move. And if she will not move at 2.30 in the morning, I will go and take juice, chocolate, whatever. I will wake up my husband. It was crazy from about the week 22 up to the end because that is a trauma that I carried. And I didn't tell no one. Only my mom and my husband knew in Colombia, my country, my birth country, nobody knew. They even thought that I was adopted, that I adopted my, it was so funny. Because I want, you know, I was so traumatized from the stillbirth that I say I cannot, I can, I'm not God to, to know that my baby is going to born alive. So I do everything in, in the world to keep her moving. And when I have her in my arms, then I'm going to say to the world, you know, I have my baby. That was the, the part that I still carried from that trauma. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I carry it. She's, you know, what heal what healed that it was the born of maya i felt somehow this connection that god gave me back the soul of my isabel in a different vehicle in a different little body and that helped me a lot into my complete healing but again it's healing but the scar is there just uh, on october 5th on last tuesday if isabella would be alive she would be 11 years old and it was a little pinch in my heart it is. Thank you, Monica. Thank you so much for being so honest there with your story. Mm. Um, because I think it's really important we talk about these things, you know, yes. and and not shy away from it, you know, all the really difficult conversations. With grief, when you were talking about there, you know, the different stages that you go through and and that we need to feel those. We need to feel them, don't we? So we don't get stuck at any particular stage you know because if we're stuck with the denial or we get stuck with the anger we're not going to move on to a place where we could even consider you know healing and and trying to conceive again um so it's really tough times to go through and I think what you said there about knowing that you have that support around you you know telling whoever it is just having people to talk to people to hold you while you're experiencing that pain is so so important Um, And you did mention about, you know, how we can become stronger from this, you know, and if we survive it and we get through it, you know, and we we are here like you are, you're here to tell the tale, you're here to share your story, to support others, then of course we've gained something huge there, haven't we? We've really overcome one of life's biggest challenges to to have any kind of loss, especially of a child. Um, And that is yeah, it doesn't feel like a gift, of course, but it's something that we can take away that we don't know what we can do with that. You know, how is that going to strengthen us moving forward, being a parent, being a good friend, you know, being a sister, whatever, you know, it's like it's going to, to give us that true insight, isn't it, into to hu- the human experience and how we can support people. How do you see it as, as making us stronger? You know, what can we take away from both fertility struggles and loss to make us stronger? Well, you know, Sarah, I think uh, definitely, you know, that we humans are here for a reason. I always, um, I I think that we are spiritual beings having a human experience Um, because, you know, on our spiritual level, everything is kind of 
perfect and you know home call it god consciousness whatever you want to call it um and somehow that spirit of us came to this earth to live this human experience that is not easy it's absolutely not easy but it's a learning experience so once we are going through our process of grieving you know it's a it's few stages like i mentioned uh, the, the chalk and the denial is our first, that is, is, is very, un, is, is, we have to feel it, like you say, the pain and the guilt, always thinking, what, what did I do wrong? Oh, I carry my daughter when I was five months, my other daughter, so it was too heavy. I did it. Very normal. I felt that so many times. And then after that guilt, you feel angry. I, I got to a point that I even asked my rabbi, is it's is okay that I am upset on God, that I feel that maybe where is he to this to, to allow this to happen and he said it's absolutely okay and then when when you know like i said when when i thought when when he told me you have a daughter and, and you know you are being very selfish sometimes we need like a slap in the face from love tough love that woke me up i say yes it's, it's true you know and he told me also i don't think that your daughter the one that you just lose is going to be happy to see that as she forgot about being a wife, a mother, because she didn't want to cause that pain. So I think that always there is words from that people around you that can wake you up. And when we are awake, when we kind of click in our brain, that that little loop and we find, oh my God, it is so, it's so true. We are in the last stage of the grieving, which is acceptance and hope. And acceptance is okay, yes, this happened. And again, if you're gonna cry every year in the anniversary of your uh, daughter or son or your loss, or she will be one year today or 18 years today, or if she die, or he at eight, but in eight years is gonna be 16, you're always gonna have that pain. The, I will say the tool, the secret on that is like in that moment when every year comes that moment, remember that you pass already a year. So you accept it and you have hope. And that hope is like you said in the beginning, we don't give up. So I went to do another cycle. And when we did this, the last cycle with my husband, we say, we are not gonna do anymore. If we get pregnant, amazing. If we don't, we stay with our daughter and that's what we accept. So once you accept and you have that hope, just the fact that you have hope in your mind, that is a big, big, big tool of strength because you know hope is what keeps us moving on in anything, Sarah. And I just give you an example. It's the world is crazy, but I still have hope, you know? Mm-hmm. It's something. So that hope, that acceptance when we are losing a baby or when we have a miscarriage and when it's coming along with infertility, somehow it's 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 telling us something. It's telling us, you know what? You are good for this. Look how many people, you, me, we are out here trying to help others that went through the same path that we went. So, you know, keep moving and don't give up. And don't give up means like if one day a couple decide, okay, we did everything possible to be parents. We couldn't. And we decide that's it. We are not trying anymore. The fact that some couples decide to try to don't try anymore and to stay without children doesn't mean that they they gave up. They just simply decide that because they found that maybe it's not for them anymore. They don't want to go through that suffering anymore and they want to move on with life with something else. That is also a choice 
that when some client or some uh, person come to me and tell me, Monica, you know what? I did everything. I think I'm going to be done. I'm not going to discourage them. I will tell them if that's what you feel, if that's what your inner voice is telling you and you think that you can move on and heal that losses that you have in not having babies. So move on, go ahead. That's not giving up. So, you know, it's, it's being realistic. Look at life like, okay, we have this. Accept what you cannot control and see what you can do that is inside your circle, your spirit, your mind that you can control to make it better again. That goes to the same point, Sarah. Yeah, gosh, that's something we can carry through life, whatever we're facing, isn't it? You know, absolutely yes. accept what we can't control, but then take back control over what we can. Yes. Um, and yeah, like you, I, I've met many people now who have made decisions along the way that they didn't think they would be, but when they're making that decision, perhaps to stop going through fertility treatment, to stop and not have children, or maybe with the one child and not add a sibling. Mm -hmm. And when you see them find that place of peace with it and actually know that they are gonna continue living their life and they are gonna live it in the best way they possibly can and acceptance of, you know, this is how it is now. It's, it's quite awe-inspiring to see, you know, that someone can step yes. into that place. And I think we all can, you know, whatever life throws at us, I think we can all find our more peaceful way through it, you know, and that's so empowering. It doesn't mean it's always easy, but, you know, to have that hope and that connection that there is a way I can be at peace with this and be comfortable with whatever is happening and heal, then, yeah, it gives us that that motivation doesn't it and that connection to our future and that's why I wanted to speak to you here Monica because I knew you'd have wonderful words of support you know for our our darkest times on this journey but actually you know what is possible um and and how we need to keep that that hope alive and that connection I know you have all kinds of support that you offer and on the um, podcast page I'm going to put the links to your website and your Instagram and also you had a couple of um, free downloads didn't you of some tools yes, that you use with your clients could you share what they are please Monica? of course Sarah always for your audience for our audience um, I'm gonna have um, three uh, series of meditations uh, that I'm gonna send to you and also a mini coloring fertility coloring because one of the things that I apply that I start to work on when I was doing my last cycle was that our therapy uh, is well known that when we uh, um, when we wake up our creative uh, side of our brain, it helps us so much, so much in changing our mood, in uh, in putting us in a better place, in making us a little bit happy. Remember, something is something I wanted to mention. Serotonin is our happy hormone, right? And um, believe it or not, we always I always thought that serotonin was uh, produced more in our main brain, in our head, but it's not right. Serotonin is being produced 70% in our belly. So when our brain is happy, our belly is happy. And when our belly is happy, our organs, all our fertility organs are there, are ready to receive. So like you said two minutes ago, it's easy to say, very difficult to take action upon it. But once we start, even with a little step, we are taking action upon it and we are helping ourselves. In the end, Sarah, we, you, me, and all of fertility coaches out there, we can be supportive and we can offer all the tools. But in the end, is the decision of the other side to say, okay, I'm going to take this step and see where I can get. You know, we are here, we support, but it's in your hands 
what you can do for yourself and make it a little bit better and balanced. Remember, it's not about being right or wrong. There is no extreme here. There is no black or white. It's center, it's being balanced. Acceptance, you know that you are not walking a, an easy journey, but at the same time, you're gonna do everything in your hands to make it a little bit peaceful and easy, you know, take the bumps and the stones without hurting too much your feet. Yeah, I love that. And it's taking ownership, isn't it, of your own life and your own experience. And when a gift is given, like you're talking about there, Monica, these tools that you have with the meditation and the coloring, the art, you know, if we can bring in those that support and start using it and finding out what works for us and what supports us, then yeah, it, it brings back ownership of our life doesn't it and the experience we have no matter what is going on around yes. us so thank you so much for offering those free gift downloads I will put the links to those and to your website and your Instagram on the notes of the podcast so wherever you're listening in you'll be able to click on those on Apple on Spotify or on my website um, and you'll be able to claim all of that free goodness from Monica thank, thank you. you thank you so much for joining me Monica this has been you know a difficult conversation. Um, but a much, much needed one, you know, if you know what I mean, the topic is hard, but we do need to go there, you know, and I know that many of our listeners will have had experiences that they can relate to with what you're saying. And I really hope everyone listening in that you've, you've gained some, some, you know, huge compassion and some strength um, from Monica's words. And it's been so lovely to speak to you. Thank you for joining me, Monica. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. And I want, if I may say one last thing uh, to couples, if you are a couple, because as I say in the beginning, you know, there is some moms that chose single parenting, but if you are a couple, no matter if you are same sex or, or, or heterosexual, remember something, don't let the fertility journey affect your romance. Always remember that somehow you need to put a little bit spicy. That also makes you happy. Don't let this affect you to levels like it did to me that we almost got divorced and thank God we woke up, but make sure you put the best of you to balance a little bit the journey. And Sarah, again, thank you so much. You know how much I love you and I always enjoy talking to you. Thank you, Monica. Thanks. Thank you for joining Monica and I on the Fertile Mindset podcast today. If you would like to stay in touch with Monica, you can follow her on Instagram at Monica Beavas. And in the podcast description, you'll find links to receive her free meditations and fertility colouring sheets, which I hope you enjoy using. I look forward to speaking to you again next week. I'm so pleased you're listening to the Fertile Mindset podcast. And now I would love to invite you to join us in the Fertile Mindset Sanctuary. The Sanctuary is my fertility support membership, which is focused on taking care of you and helping you enjoy your life while you wait for your baby. In the Sanctuary, I'll guide you through using an amazing technique called EFT or tapping, and you'll soon be feeling less stressed and more joyful. If you're not already in the Sanctuary, do come and join us today because the best time to start receiving support on your fertility journey is always right now. Honestly, it makes such a difference to have good quality emotional support and techniques that you can pick up and use yourself whenever you need them. Go to fertilemindset.com sanctuary to join us today. I look forward to hopefully seeing you there and at the next episode of the Fertile Mindset podcast.